words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I know, yes, you do get a sermon today, but I promise it will be a little shorter than what I normally preach. Although I have to say, of all the sermons I've written, this was the hardest one because I had to keep cutting back and cutting back, and I went, oh, 35 minutes, 30, 20, you know, we'll see, who knows what happens today. That's right. But we are going to look at this gospel reading today from Matthew, and the big idea is be continually vigilant and live lives of readiness for the Master's return. You know, I love this season of Advent as we prepare for the birth of Christ and the coming of Christ. You know, I love the colors being changed to the blue, one of my very favorites. And just this season of preparation and thinking about what's coming in the birth of Christ. And so this gospel reading today is really looking at being watchful, being ready. And uh, it starts today with Jesus talking about the days of Noah and those people that were living unaware of the judgment. And what he's saying here is they were just leading normal lives, totally unaware of what's coming, looking at Noah like he's crazy. And I think so often that's how so many today are living their lives. They're just living normal lives, totally unaware of what's going on here in this place. I've been reading this book for one of my seminary classes, and it's all about the culture and how we arrived where we're at. And I'm about halfway through it. And it's really interesting to see because it talks about a lot of different philosophies and views on the world. And it says that the chief end of man is not to glorify God. The chief end is to be happy. And that's what it pretty much talks about is how am I happy? And so all these different philosophies are how we can be happy. And all these different guys over the years have talked about what happiness looks like. And I can tell you, the author of this book was very good because he included a biography of each one of these philosophers that he talks about. Most of them died really awful deaths. Most of them went crazy because their goal in life was happiness. And if your goal in life is happiness, you're going to be disappointed really fast. And so I'm guessing these people in Noah's time were living their normal lives pursuing happiness. And in the end, the sudden judgment came and swept them away. In the second part of this gospel reading, we have examples of the need for watchfulness. In verses 40 to 42, in which in the field or at the mill, one is taken and the other is left behind. So I think we can conclude from that we need to be keeping watch at all times. And the third piece of this is in the last couple of verses where we hear about the unprepared householder. And in this, he's not ready for the thief that comes. And so the conclusion is that we need to be ready at all times. I think the common theme throughout all of this was readiness. We have to be ready. Because we don't know the day or the hour. And as I was was preparing for this sermon and reading different things, one commentator wrote that he thought we get too caught up sometimes in talking about when. When we start looking at the signs and going, well, is Jesus coming? He must be soon, maybe in the next, maybe in my life. And we start thinking about that, and that's good because that is preparing us in readiness. But the thing is, is not to worry so much about the when it's going to happen, but that it is going to happen. Because that is the truth, that we don't know when, but we know it will happen 
And so we need to be watchful, faithful, and diligent in how we live our lives. You know, we just had Thanksgiving, and I'm sure a lot of you hosted Thanksgiving at your house. And that requires a lot of preparation. You know, we, we get the house ready, we clean, we get the food ready, we invite the people. We make sure everything's just perfect for the day of Thanksgiving, and everyone comes, and we have a really nice time, usually, hopefully. Ours was pretty eventful this year, but it was that's a story for another day. <laughs> but, um, but we do a lot of preparing to be ready for that event. Christmas is now coming. We're in Advent season. It's about preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ. But so often what it becomes is preparing ourselves for the parties, getting the house ready, decorating, and we get so stressed out, we start to miss the point of what this season is really all about. But we spend a lot of time preparing and shopping and buying because life is full of getting ready for things. And yet so often we're really not preparing ourselves for the return of Christ. And so often I think we don't even think about it. In Luke's Gospel... He has a section on you must be ready, very similar to what we read from Matthew today. And he said, stay, Jesus said, stay, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home for the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. We must be ready. You know, I read a story online about a couple that had parked their car in front of their house. All right, you know, dressed and ready for action. So this couple parks their car. The next morning they get up and the car is gone. And so they call the police and they file a report as to what happened. And a couple of days later, the car happened to be back in front of their house in perfect condition. They were totally confused. There was a note inside from the thief apologizing for taking the car, and along with that apology, there were two tickets to the theater. The couple used the tickets to the theater only to come home and find that their house had been broken into by the same thief <laughs> that took their car. I thought it was an ingenious idea. I mean, I'm not going to try it, but... But Jesus goes on to say... But if they had known when the master was coming to the house, they, or when they had known if, when they, I'm going to get it, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. It all goes back to being ready. It all goes back to being ready. That couple would not have left and gone to the theater had they known the guy was going to come break into the house. See, we have an advantage here because the reality is we know that Jesus is coming back. We know. We don't have to guess this. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to question, will he return? Because we know he is because it's in the truth in his word that he is coming back. And when he comes back, we will be judged for how we live our lives. No one likes the idea of being judged and having their lives exposed. But the reality is in life, tests are graded, papers are marked up, and we are reviewed from time to time in our jobs. And either we are found in the end to be faithful and wise managers, or we're not. And Jesus will put true believers where they are to go, and he will put unbelievers where they're to go. That's the actual truth of when he returns. 
And as we think about these things, we think, how can we prepare? You know, life is full of preparing. I am so tired of preparing for papers and tests. But it's just the season of life that I'm in right now. And that's okay. And I know how to prepare for those things. And so often we know how to prepare for things, and then we say, but how do we prepare for this? How do we prepare? And of course, as I wrote this, I had like nine points, all short, but nine points to go through of how to prepare. And then I thought, well, that's probably not good for lessons in Carol's Sunday. So I narrowed it down to three for you guys of how to prepare. And the first one is we have to pursue Christ-likeness now. One of my favorite two verses in the Bible are from Romans 12 that say, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and pure. We have to pursue Christ-likeness now. We really have to put our flesh to death if we're not going to be conformed to the world. But so often we give in to the world and what our flesh wants and what we want right now. And to be like Christ, we have to say, I'm dying to that and following him. And as we do that, our impulse becomes more towards purity, holiness, loving our neighbor sacrificially. That's what we become. That's where we head when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We change from the inside out, and we're transformed by the renewal of our mind and through testing. Now, none of us like to be tested, really, and that's my second point in preparing for the coming of Christ, is we have to ready ourselves for the suffering. We just love suffering, don't we? Everyone here can raise their hand and say, I love going through suffering. Regina's up front. She says yes. Someone sent me a couple of months ago when things were going on that I felt like I was suffering and I was whining a little bit in my life. And they sent me this verse and they said, you know, Matthew, this is one of my life verses. Maybe you should read it and make it one of your life verses. And the person it was coming from, I said, oh, no, I know this is going to be a good one. And it was. It said, strengthen the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God from Acts 14. Through many tribulations we will enter the kingdom of God. This life is not going to be easy. It's going to be constantly something going on, and it's really worse in a lot of ways as Christians. As Christians, we're going to suffer. We're going to be refined. We're going to be put to the test. And I think as the end draws near and Jesus' return gets closer, it's only going to get harder for us. Back earlier in Matthew 24, when it talks about signs of the end of the age, Jesus said, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures till the end will be saved. I think we see that today, lawlessness increasing. But as we go through this, we have to endure. We have to expect the suffering, and in some ways we have to welcome the suffering because we know God's working on us, and in the end, it's going to be okay. 
He also said we need to be alert to false teachers and deception from the enemy. I think we see that in a lot in the world today. The enemy's planting things and saying this is the way to go, this is the right way. And it's not. It's not. And so in order for us to know what the truth is and not fall into this, we have to submit ourselves to the word of God and his will for our lives. And I think that comes with cultivating a life of discipleship. In one of my classes this semester, Gospel Catechesis, the professor calls it the patient ferment of discipleship. And what he means by that is discipleship doesn't just happen. It takes time. It takes study. It takes walking with others in the body of Christ. It takes humility. And it takes suffering. And it takes a lifetime. And we never arrive while we're here. We're always pressing on ahead as disciples. But I love that. The patient ferment of discipleship. I think that class has had one of the biggest impacts on me in evaluating my own life and where I am as a disciple of Christ. And finally, I think for the third point for how to prepare, it's we have to work faithfully for Christ. Following this gospel reading that we had today is the parable of the ten virgins. And I'm sure a lot of us know that story that Jesus said the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who went to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, didn't take the oil with them. Five did. And as time went on and they announced that the bridegroom is coming, the five that were foolish and didn't bring any oil wanted to take it from the five that did. And they told him, no, go buy your own because there won't be enough for us. And so when they were off buying their oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. And then afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. To watch really means to do our jobs well for Christ. The assignment in this gospel passage was to have their lamps burning, to have their oil, to respond to the announcement when it was given, and to do their job the way that God had called them to do it. And some of them did not. We've all been given assignments on earth while the master is away. We are to use our gifts, our resources, our abilities, our money, our opportunities, and our relationships and spiritual disciplines, all with faithfulness and diligence. If you're here today, God has a purpose for you to use your gifts for the kingdom. And it, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, and each one's work will, be met, will become manifest for the day will disclose it, because it will reveal by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each of us has done. One day it's going to be revealed the quality of our work. Were we doing it for ourselves, or were we doing it for our master, for Christ? You see, pursuing holiness, suffering, and working faithfully requires long, hard, demanding days. And I know there's just some days that we have the urge to quit and say, I'm done with this. It's too hard. I don't know why I'm having to go through all these things. But we know that it's all worth it in the end. 
Because the good news is, is that we're not doing it by ourselves. We're doing it with Jesus. He's right there walking with us through whatever it is. I love this quote from J.I. Packard. He said, what matters supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he knew me first and continues to know me. And he knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off of me or his attention distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care for me falters. I think that's such a powerful reminder for us that even when we're not feeling it, even when we're struggling, even when we're questioning things, his care for us never falters, that he is there that Christ is with us, that he knows us. And even when we're not sure if we can do it, he can. Advent is really a season of preparation. And so I really do hope that we use these next four weeks to prepare our hearts for his coming. Not only in his birth that we'll celebrate on Christmas, but in his second coming, that we'll be prepared, that we'll be watchful and ready for him. The Scottish minister Horatio Bonner on one occasion sat with several fellow ministers. He said to them, do you really expect Jesus to come today? And one by one he went around the circle and put that question to each of them. And one by one they shook their head and said, no, not today. Then without comment, he wrote on a piece of paper these words and passed it around. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not 